everyone. Welcome to Tonecast number 88. 88, one step closer to 100. One step. We are 12, the 12 podcasts of Christmas or (laughs) coming up to episode 100. (laughs) I I hope that we can make it to 100 by the end of the year. That's that's our goal. I'd love to to get there. But uh, we have an interesting topic today and I'm going to kind of... Talk about it here in a second, but we can we can kind of go through our regular uh, show intro thing here and have you talk about the pickup chooser really quick and and yeah. also some things that you were you were doing related to that this week. Yeah, so I just had some good talks to the choosers. You know, shouts out to Andrew and you know Jesse and all the good people that I talked to. Austin, I was uh, we're uh, in the process of relicking some some plastic bobbins to wine to match his relic nickel cover, which. You know, relicking is a tough thing because it's easy to go too far. And, you know, you don't, I mean, I guess you don't want to go too far because you can't go back, but you can always add a little bit more relic and you just want it to look good in the the finished product. So, yeah, you can go in, fill out your gear, send me pictures. And then from the pictures, I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I can see what kind of look you're going for. And then, you know, we'll just try and recommend a good set to go in your guitar. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's cool. Links to the website. You'll see. I mean, right when you go into the website, you'll see a, a tray of S90s, and then that's my hand right there. So, you know, and it'll be like fill out the chooser. So, yeah, pretty easy you, to get. If you to. look closely enough, they they don't have magnets on them. <laughs> I realized that, like after all these years of having that kind of like, just like cool Ooh. professional photo done of your hand in the S90s, there's not magnets on them. Yeah. So, like the pickups on the tray in the photo actually don't work. Mm-hmm. But That's they, a, they an did. insider secret for you guys. <laughs> they look really good in the photo, and they will work once yeah. we once we got the magnets installed. Or they did work because obviously it's in the past. But <laughs> <laughs> um, cool thing that happened this week um, or last week. I'm not sure exactly when the CMA awards were, but um, you can find this video online. But um, Miranda Lambert kind of did the opening. Uh, music Medley. for yeah, bunch of bunch of songs like stitched together. Um, uh, if you listen, you can hear and see some Porter pickups on those. I believe we have the the ninety and the custom telly in that. Well, we'll include a link to that video yeah. for those who want to to listen to that. But it's really cool just to kind of that was something that we didn't know about. And there's a lot of those type of things where we don't really know where the pickups go or mm-hmm. who they're going to, and then um, they end up on award shows and. Other things like that, so that's that's fun for us. I mean, equally important is just anyone that emails. Obviously, we don't really treat anything differently, but it's also cool to see something um, something on video and kind of like a real life application of the pickups being mm-hmm. used. So I thought that was cool. Yeah, fired that video up this morning and shared with you guys. So yeah, that was fun. that's cool. Good to hear the tones, and yeah, you can definitely see the nine T and the that sunburst telly at the guy yeah. on stage right. <laughs> definitely, yeah, yeah. So we'll we'll include that link to that. Check it out. Um, today's topic kind of uh, sprung up on us, if you will. I guess um, we've we've been kind of looking around for some different topics to talk about, and and we've touched on on small parts of what we're going to talk about today, but really. Really, a recent post by um, Analog Man Pedals kind of uh, brought this topic to our to our minds and to the forefront. Which was um, he was posting about um, some Chinese knockoffs of his King of Tone pedal, and kind of posted some some warnings like, "Hey, don't copy my stuff." <laughs> and 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 I understand that that standpoint as a business, and it's very interesting. But I think we'll dive into kind of this whole world of. Uh, of the clones and and the industry of the clones and like all the sorts of things related to copying and um, inspired by and all that stuff. So are you ready to go, Marco? Yeah, let's go for okay, it. Okay, this is going to be a kind of off the cuff reform topic, but we're going to walk through this and kind of uh, just share our thoughts on that as a as a gear company and and then kind of some conclusions at the end. Um, well, and it, yeah, and it's just interesting because I it, I think I, we were just talking about this, but I can remember being at the NAMM show and, you know, you're just kind of in like, you know, trying to talk to as many people as possible. And there, I remember there was being some manufacturers that almost were just coming around with like cameras and then just, you know, shooting from the hip and, and was like, oh, okay, I was just going to, you know, see what was up. But they just kind of were, it's almost like their job was to just go around and, and try and document the whole show so that they could then go back and, you know, all right, how can we figure this out? And I know that there's like some more, you know, unique brands. Like I'm just going to say like Strandberg that I've even seen like knockoffs of, of their stuff, oh, you know, yeah, the headless stuff. And, you know, so the, it, it seems like nothing is kind of sacred and, and it, <laughs> you know, it's just kind of like, all right, we got to make the competition and they've got, you know, 
the companies have their price points, like the analog man, you know, that's like premium stuff and like wait lists. And if you want to buy one used, you know, sometimes it's like a couple hundred dollars. So it's, you know, it's interesting. There, yeah. there's just manufacturers that want the sale, you know, because they know that that's what people will pay top dollar for. So they just want to, like, well, how can we make that cheaper and, you know, sell it out the door? I don't, yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, it is. I, it's funny that you brought that up because I, I think I saw that a few times at the NAM show. It's like people come in, you were mentioning like the ricochets and come, people come in taking really close up shots of the ricochets. And is it like, you know, is are they going straight home to like copy the design or are they just being like, this is a really cool thing. I want to remember mm-hmm. this booth. I want to come back and, and buy from this manufacturer. But like, um, even Seymour Duncan came by the booth. He was like, "Oh, that's really cool." Yeah. You know, kind of like, and that was that was obviously cool to have him say that about yeah. some of the stuff. But it's like, it wouldn't be you know in the industry like even we've been we've been copied or or whatever in some of our designs. But then other times it's like, well, we make a '60s pickup, so we're we're oh, trying we're to do yeah exactly. So like we're trying to do something that's inspired by this era because that's what the customer wants. But we're obviously in the pickup world, we're not actually copying it because it was a lot of different manufacturings and materials and all that stuff. But it's it is that sort of like line that you walk of, of like, you know, we we posted the meme of the the PAF guy. Mm-hmm. If you look at our Instagram feed. We have a meme of my daughter and mm-hmm. crazy face and just kind of the, the 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 crazy PAF guy that you come in contact with. But that's where I think in the pickup world, like the cloning thing is like. Well, this is the most authentic PAF. This is the most accurate PAF, mm-hmm. and it's this, this, and this, and that's just very interesting because it's like such an iconic pickup that everyone wants. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're all like, you know, I'm saying we, right? As pickup makers, we're all trying to like convince everyone that that our PAF is just like 10 percent better than than the next, than the next one, one. You know, and it's just strange because as guitar players, it's that. There's like a very specific idea of tone that I think we're all like chasing and and but the funny thing is that there's like just a few different ways to get there, I think is especially it you know when you consider that you know it's just maybe your hands too. I don't know there's that argument, but there's this idea of like the perfect tone is like this you know late fifties, early sixties yeah. like sound just because that's maybe when you know the the big dogs in the industry like the brains were still alive and creating or innovating at their best, you know, like, like Leo and, you know, whatever. So mm-hmm. that's just like the perfect tone and we just need to find the perfect tone. And if you can find that perfect tone with, you know, cheaper materials or something, I guess it's just easier. And, but you could tell when somebody was like interested in your, your brand and like, you know, asking questions versus when someone was just like, you know, they, they wouldn't even talk, just come and take a picture and you're like, oh, okay. all right. Well, we get a lot of like, <laughs> we, tell me where you get all your parts. Tell me where you get your supplies. Tell me where you get your wire. Um, you know, tell me how to make pickups. I want to make pickups mm-hmm. and tell me how to do everything you know. And that, I, I got that question probably, I don't know, 10 to 15 times over the course of the show. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you got it when you were there, but I definitely got it quite mm-hmm. a bit. And it was like, well, I'm here to... Yeah. I spent all this money to come down here to sell pickups, and so like giving the, you know, giving the, whole the secrets process. is probably not the the reason I'm here. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was that was always an yeah. odd one. There was a bunch of slug words out there. It seemed like yeah. just trying to yeah. get into the chocolate factory and steal the secrets. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> but I think like you mentioned earlier, like the price thing, right? You like these, like I think of the Klon pedal, and there's so many clones, right? Every company has like a clone. Mm-hmm. And because it's such a desirable sound, it's such a di- desirable like palette to add to your pedal mm-hmm. board. And but like the industry co- sort of created that monster. I think even on the new KTR, he's like the hype. Something like he has a yeah. phrase on it, right? Where it's like, "This is not of my doing. Like yep. this is your fault, not my fault as yeah. a builder." And I thought that, that was kind of cool. Intention. <laughs> Just like straight out there, like um, you guys caused this this mess and. Um, I just think that's really interesting because yeah, it's like well, you know, original clones are a couple thousand dollars, and do I do I want one? Yeah, but I'm not going to go there. I'm not mm. going to spend that much money on a pedal just to to look cool on social media or whatever. Yeah, but I think that's probably like you mentioned. You kind of hinted at that price thing. Like, I wonder if that's that's a reason the cloning thing 
has become, you know, obviously if you have a $300 pedal, someone can try to make it for $69 or whatever. But mm-hmm. it's interesting that, that that price game and like the collectability is just like, man, everyone's trying to make a buck, you know, it's like, oh, we can build, I can build that for, yeah. you know, 99 bucks or whatever. Yeah. Or less than. And yeah, true. But yeah, that's the, that's the desire of the tone and, and that can uh, lead to some crazy, uh, crazy things. And I think that in this industry too, because of, because that is a thing and that is a facet and we have to interface with it, you know, people value like their exclusivity. And if there's like an original idea, people will go to great lengths to then like keep that exclusivity because they know that eventually someone is going to figure it out and, and, and clone it. Yeah. Um, and I, first of all, I think it's just funny that like uh, cologne, you know, we say clone, but you know, it's spelled with K L O. You know, yeah, it's, it's like a play on the words, right? Clone and stuff like that. But the exclusivity, and then and with that circuit, and I don't really even know a lot of the circumstances, but I know that you know you'll open up some of them and you'll see the the black goop covering the mm-hmm. the circuits, <laughs> and you're like, you know, you don't know if that was just to keep that exclusivity or in or if there's an instance where you're just trying to maybe hide the fact that you are in turn yourself just kind of like, well, this is just kind of a, a tube screamer circuit, but sure. you know, so I don't know there's, it, it kind of leads to some interesting scenarios, I think too. Yeah. And it's, it's, you know, the tube screamer is, is often copied, right? It's, it's been copied over and over again. Probably and, like the most copied. And, maybe. Yeah. It's just like, man, you know, this is, and then there's the whole like, well, this is a better version of that. This is, you know, I don't know if people are lazy or if it's just a, um, you know, it, I think ultimately it's probably like boiled down to like greed and like we, we can make some money off of this because it's popular mm-hmm. and trying to, and there's nothing wrong with like looking for opportunities, right? But but it gets really tricky when you're like directly copying circuits and I mean, a lot of pedal makers are, you know, like they f- they find out someone's copied their work and it gets really frustrating for them. Um, but I kind of want to talk about that line between like... Um, copied and inspired by mm-hmm. and we were talking before we hit record here it's kind of like a gray area and this weird sort of like well if i buy an overdrive pedal it's got some you know most likely it has some inspired by elements of a tube screamer or you know if it's a three knob overdrive pedal like what do i what's the first thing that comes to my mind oh it's a tube screamer mm-hmm. or it's a you know an ocd or it's a you know whatever kind of pedal yeah. that you think about and then even like you have manufacturers that are kind of saying like, well, this is this is flavored after a very popular green box overdrive pedal. <laughs> you know, and so mm-hmm. like, they're all they're all but saying like this is our version of that of that pedal. Um, so I think that's kind of interesting. Um, but I, I don't know, the industry seems maybe stuck in their ways in a sense of like, you know, people want that tone. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's kind of where it starts. What do you think about like kind of that whole deal? And I th- yeah, and I think it's just maybe that idea of the PAF guy, and and it's what PAF guy wants, and it's like, well, PAF guy is the one buying the stuff, yeah. so PAF guy gets what <laughs> PAF guy wants, and you know he wants the the green box that a SRV used, and right. you know whatever because that's that's the tone, or you know PAF guy probably wouldn't want that, but you know that would be a strat guy. That would be yeah. Those are two different. Two, two different dudes. two different characters for sure for sure, but <laughs> I think we I need think, to have a whole episode on like <laughs> the characters of the gear industry. Yeah, we could get we could get into the weeds in that one. I think. Yeah, <laughs> that would be a fun. That that's the Halloween show that we missed out on. I think. Oh yeah, <laughs> for next year, I guess. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I think there's just these like tonal archetypes that we're all like, yeah, you know, we need this to make that sound, and you know, we just really need we need to get that. Those tones, and I think because that is where the the money is necessarily, we're like, well, and that's how people are going to find it. You know, that's what they're going to type into the Google search bar. You know, they'll be like blues breaker type overdrive, or you know, yeah. OCD, like you said, and then whatever comes up. And I guess you just want your product to come up with that stuff so that you're then, you know, just in the running too with the other companies or the the great gear purchase race of. <laughs> You know, that yeah, everybody it's runs. almost like it's so much more complicated now. I mean, what's it's like a good and bad thing, right? We have to we have to buy gear. It's very sad. We have to buy gear to test out and mm-hmm. do platforms, mostly guitars, so we can put our pickups in these different types of guitars. But 
Um, I haven't really bought a lot of pedals over mm-hmm. the last couple of years because I'm like, well, I can probably find a digital thing that does that, or I don't really, you know, I don't really need like six flavors of overdrive. Mm-hmm. But whereas like, you know, probably five years ago, I would have been like, ooh, let's try this pedal. Let's get this fuzz. And this is a different type of fuzz. And let me get that fuzz. And yeah. um, But I get the, when you when you go, I'm almost like scared to look at pedals now because there's so many cool pedals out there. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, I don't even know where to start. And I get kind of like, I get frozen. So then I think back to like our customers who go to our website and they're like, whoa, you have this many humbucker size pickups. So mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm trying to put myself in that shoes with the, with the relation to the, you know, me looking at overdrive pedal. I don't know if you've like shot for pedals lately, but. Um, they always kind of come up on like my reverb feed and stuff, you know, because <laughs> I'm flipping through and. I mean, nowadays, because maybe of that exclusivity thing and people are trying to be like flashy and eye-catching so that like people stop on this pedal and look at this pedal. But a lot of the times I don't feel like I even know what the pedals do. And I'm like, you know, what happened to the old like boss on the front? It says very clearly what what this does. And, you know, you could see it on a dark stage and some of these other pedals. I'm like, I would never be able to clearly hit that switch in the dark. Um, And it's just got some weird landscape on it. I'm not sure what this even does. <laughs> so it's well, it like a lot of people are putting so much thought and time into the artwork on it's the pedals. Cool to, it yeah. Is, yeah, it's very cool. That's it's like, like a, a creator maker. Yeah. Yeah. I oh, mean, I don't know. But it, you're I'm with you, man. I just I thought about that in the in different pedals that we've we've got into the shop recently. I'm like, this looks amazing. Mm-hmm. But I'm not gonna know what it does until I step on it. I mean you can also read the manual, but who reads manuals yeah. anyways? So <laughs> definitely not, not us, not us, no, not at all. Um, so something too, like with the whole copying and cloning is like, obviously you, I, I first thing that comes to mind is like the Fender type guitars, right? There's mm-hmm. so many companies building strats and building tellies. And the, the main difference is the shape of the headstock, right? Mm-hmm. You can't, you can't build one with uh, the bubble of the Fender yeah. on there. But I think that that's interesting because again, it's like, we're so traditional as guitarists. We're like, man, I just I want a Strat or I want a Relic Strat or I want whatever. Um, and we even talked to Derek about that in a couple episodes ago about the whole Relic guitar thing. But then you've got companies that are building entire businesses off of making versions of Fender guitars, mm-hmm. which is not necessarily a bad thing. I think there's many companies that that we love and work with that do that. And, mm-hmm. Um, there's, you know, if I'm going to buy a Strat style guitar, I can actually get some that I feel like are better than some Fenders. Yeah. Um, but I, what do you think about that whole thing where, where it's like, that's probably in that gray area of like, well, you're actually, you are really copying, but it is kind of inspired, yeah. inspired by two. It's what like do you paying, think? Paying tribute and, and yeah. you know, there's so many co- cool and awesome builders and makers out there. And, you know, I think that just because you don't happen to be in the same town that Fender and, and Gibson are doesn't mean you can't realize your dreams of, of building. And I think it's cool that there's these go-getters that, are, that will just, you know, there's templates out there for it, you know, everything. And, and there's the go-getters that are the, the ones making the templates that are listing. They're like, well, I'll just make a bunch of templates out of M- MDF and then just, you know, sell them for 20 bucks a pop so that, you know, those builders can, can kind of get, get some practice in. And, and so I think that's, you know, that's maybe like a, a good side to it or, or whatever is that, you know, that's something that is familiar and, and we like that, like that, that's classic. And, you know, it's, you know, people love their Gibsons or they love their strats and their tellies and, you know, to be able to, to put together a kit like that is must feel pretty cool, you know, to just finally realize you're, you can put together something like that. And yeah, you know, and then I guess it's the distinction is like, where are you trying to toot it around as like a fender? Or are you, you know, that's maybe where it starts to get morally, you're walking the tightrope, you know, are you trying to pass it off? Because I know you can just buy those fender decals and yeah. put them on there. And there's even some like parts caster builders that, you know, will try and make like exact clones, but you don't know if it's like for tribute purposes or <laughs> if they are trying to then pass it off as counterfeit. Yeah. You know, and, and I know that there's like famous Les Pauls, like Slash's like original Appetite for Destruction one. Like that's a that's a clone built in mm. I think California in Redondo Beach or something. Like mm. that's like some 
modeled after a 59, but it's not an actual Gibson. But then even then Gibson was like, whoa, well, that's cool. Like we want to reissue that one, you know, <laughs> let's see that one and then yeah. make, make it our Gibson way. So even Gibson copy to Gibson copy. <laughs> that's so that's then, like the, what was that movie, the Inception or something like that, where it's like multiple, yeah. multiple layers. Dreamings of... of Complications, yeah. <laughs> dreams of thoughts of dreams, and yeah. And I, I wonder too. Like I was just thinking about like the um, kind of what you said about the like the Strat stuff or the Tele stuff. It's like there was there was several times where I feel like um, you know the argument maybe is just like the quality of it. So if I'm going to mm-hmm. buy, you know, if I'm going to buy something like a Sur or something like that, you know, I know that it's going to be better constructed and more well made than than some other strats that I've owned in the past. Doesn't mm-hmm. mean it's but it's necessarily that that much better, but but like has higher end appointments like stainless steel frets and it's got, you know, the fret work is is not like done for, like it's not $600 guitar level mm-hmm. fret work. It's pro level fret work or yeah. something like that. So as you start to to grow, you're like, well, I want this look of a guitar, but I actually need it to be, you know, yeah. need it to be up to these standards, I guess. Really? So, yeah. Maybe it's just a snobby thing, right? Where like, well, I can't play anything less than this, but like, I do like playing guitars that take a lot of work to to actually make them, yeah, make them go. <laughs> yeah, and then you know, every guitar has its own different character. But, yeah, you know, even these like higher end guitars, you know, I know that they they kind of are modeled after those like iconic shapes, you know, and everybody's got their their single cut kind of Les Paul, and then their double cut Strat or you know whatever. Even if they just kind of make their different takes on it, which which is cool though, and I think that is the that is the musician's way. I mean, we all steal licks from our favorite guitar players, maybe just because they're like seared into yeah, our brains. Right. But we all have that one lick that we play when we first plug in the amp, and you know, I think that that's because we just borrow from all of our influences, and that's what's what's going on. So it's a super mm-hmm. fine line, and I, I don't know if there's any like right or wrong, but I think that, you know, you yourself will know if you're maybe cloning (laughs) it for the, for bad or for good. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a good way to put it. What what do you think it is that people, um, they don't want to try new stuff? Like, so a guy's been playing, let's say a telly for his whole life. And what do you think kind of prevents him from like buying a PRS or buying a Gibson? Is it just like, is it the tradition and like maybe his favorite players or like what, what kind of goes into that? Do you think? Yeah, I wonder if it's a lot of that and maybe, maybe like the circles that he's running around with. They're all like because I I know a lot of people and I I remember there was a guy that coming into the shop around here and we installed some pickups in his semi hollow and like with black covers or something, and then that was so like not traditional. He like when he came he like took it to a couple jam sessions and then he's like, can we change them out? Because like everyone thought it looked <laughs> bad, you know. <laughs> My peers are making fun of me yeah, for being it, unique. They said it looked bad. So yeah. it could be some of that, like your circles or if you're just running around on the forums and everyone's telling you it has to be this way. Um, but then you're probably like, well, it has to be, you know, and you you just kind of got to want to experiment and have some fun with it. And if if you think it might be a good idea, it's, it's probably a good idea and it's worth a shot. And, you know, it's like flipping around where your pedals go. Like that's like a common thing, like what? So what order you can't these all put go the in? Boost before the drive or whatever the you yeah. have to use the delays to the effects loop. Yeah, or, you know, but it's you know, <laughs> it's fun to experiment, and then that is the fun thing when you get tired of running the the scales or you know whatever, like trying to learn the song that you just can't quite get the timing down, which you'll get eventually. You know, just keep practicing, but when you get tired of that, that's when you you know like well, let me try different orders of pedals or you know. See what else is out there. Try and try to just change the settings all completely differently than how you normally do because you you'd be surprised that I think what you like and even just playing around with the knobs on the guitar is you can get a lot of cool sounds that you know. Don't be afraid to experiment and try new stuff because yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff out there too. Definitely, and and I just I think about like um, I took you know took my trusty Strat home last night and was just kind of playing. Playing it with our deluxe HSS loaded pickguard, you can go on YouTube and see some videos of this mm-hmm. guitar. Um, and I was looking at the end of the frets, and um, they're they're kind of just you know forty five degree or thirty five whatever angle they do. They just kind of like 
you know, run a, a sand sanding board down there twice. And, <laughs> and this was a 98 USA strap. And I'm looking at it and there's like, they clearly cut the fret slots too deep and too wide in a couple of places. Mm-hmm. And they just shoved a bunch of black goop in, in there. And, you know, I was, I was a teenager when I bought this guitar. And I think like looking at it, I'm like, oh, that looks, that looks really bad. But I love this rough. guitar. You yeah. know, like this guitar is like, it just works for me, and every time I sit down and play it. But like that would be an example of me like starting out on the strat, and then almost like I wouldn't say I'm like coming back to the strat, but I kind of like you know always been home. kicked it to the curb for a while. Uh-huh. But part of it is just as we you know this last year has been really fun for me to kind of get different guitars. Like we you know we have a PRS in the shop now, and I've never owned a PRS. I've always mm-hmm. kind of been curious about them, and now it's like wow, this is kind of a, a fun guitar. It's completely different mm-hmm. it's almost like foreign when you're playing it because you're like well this doesn't feel like where's the Fender. switch this, yeah <laughs> where's the switch it's way down there you know or whatever but but that's been fun to kind of like all right you know and like you you got a telecaster last year mm-hmm. and i'm like when i first met you i was like he's not he probably wouldn't be a telly guy and here yeah. you are like with a telly that you probably play more than mm-hmm. any of your other guitars and so like what what was in what came into that where you're like like you know, younger Marco would be like, "Yeah, never. I'm never playing a telly." <laughs> and it was so funny because younger Marco definitely was infatuated with like the butterscotch blonde mm. tellies. But I remember all of but, my but peers. But you're like kind of a metal guy, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's funny we were just talking about it. Like my peers were all like, "Oh, that's ugly," you know. And I can remember my old brother. He's like, "Well, that's terrible looking." And oh man! And just the other day, I sent him a picture of of the Esquire that I'm babysitting right now, and he's like, "Oh, that's so cool! I love the color on it." And it's just funny how our tastes change. But I remember the reason that I got my Flying B was, you know, because it was metal and it was going to fit the part. And I think that was a big part of that decision. But I maybe would have been just as happy, and maybe would have practiced more with something comfortable and contemporary and classic and. I don't know, you can get a lot more gigs holding a telly than you can holding a flying bee, I think. <laughs> I remember one of my first experiences was playing in a in the school jazz band and all I had was that flying bee oh, and everyone nice. was like, Oh well. Oh man. Do you got any photos of the, those days? The jazz, you know, I don't jazz, you're sort of like dun, 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 on a flying V, yeah, just like chunking just the thirteenth like chords and stuff. Hide behind the <laughs> piano because everyone was Everyone had been in music the enti- their entire school life, oh, and that was wow. like me just barely getting into guitar and like barely learning about bar chords. And I don't even want to think about how I sounded and played back then. I well, it's funny that you mentioned that because I was I was also in a in traveling jazz choir, and I had a Schecter um, mm-hmm. <laughs> six string Schecter, and it, and it was more of like a kind of a carved top swamp ash blue, like so. It, but it still was not a jazz guitar. I could mm-hmm. get jazz tones out of it, but like. Every time we show up to a funny. festival, everyone brings out their big like Gibson jazz boxes, and they're like, you know, playing their snooty chords. And I'm like, show up with my Schecter, and like, everyone's like, what is this dude? Like, this is what's oh, here we go. Yeah, yeah, this guy's weird. But yeah, that's funny that you mentioned that. Mm-hmm. I, I want to talk about like maybe we have to tread a little lightly, but but not. It's our podcast; we can do whatever we want. <laughs> um, the the kind of the dark side of the the cloning uh, industry because I do. I do sympathize with the analog man posts. I think the, um, you know, you see something that you make and you design and then you see something else that gets released that's like kind of a dead ringer for that, right? Yeah. And you're like, yeah, I know what happened there. Like this this person or this company copied our design. And um, yeah, I'm kind of waiting for the day the Ricochet gets copied mm-hmm. um, because the Ricochet is truly like uniquely ours and there's no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it will probably get copied at some point, and we'll we'll see it. I, in some I almost want it. No, I don't want it to get copied. So if you're listening to this, don't copy the Ricochet, please. Um, yeah. But it's it's like if it gets copied, it's almost like yeah, Porter did that first, and there's no there's no there's doubt no about doubt. it, yeah. right? Um, but what do you think about this kind of like? I, I really I'm titling this section like the dark side of the mm-hmm. the gear industry. I think about like the the cloners that. Um, you were mentioning like the goop, you know, they, they literally copy a circuit or they just take a circuit and put put goop on it. I mean, we've heard those stories, right, of yeah. of brands doing that. Like kind of what what do you think gets people to that point? Like because that's we were talking about that line, right? And and we we definitely both agree like that is well past that's into the no no territory, obviously. Yeah. Um, what do you think about that whole thing? I, yeah, it's 
it's that tightrope to be walking and you just wonder and I mean you don't you don't know if it's just trying to put your products in as many like places as possible so you're like I have to have something in each lineup you know because there's been the guys that come in and they're like I want you to have one guitar that's got every model of your pickups in it and it's like well that we would need like 30 get you know we need a lot of guitars in here and there wouldn't be enough room for you know people to come and check them out on us but you know, you want to have a product in each price point and you're like, but I don't even know what that circuit demands or that, you know, you're already exhausted, like keeping up with the ins and outs of the business, or maybe you don't have like the, the labor or something. And then you're like, well, if I just buy this, you know, $10 circuit board on wherever, I mean, the internet could take you so many places and yeah. you can find, you know, somebody, you know, I don't know, I'm, I'm not sure, but you know, you can figure out how to clone and someone's got information or I, who knows that's you can find whatever you want out there and then you know you can just buy that cheap part goop it and it does the same thing you know that maybe people won't be able to tell and then you can sell yours for you know like stupid cheap and then <laughs> of course you're going to get the sale you know like a quick sale and you know because it's yielding like oh yeah like well I'm getting sales finally or I'm getting like traction and you try so hard to do it your way and it's not working so when you you're like oh if I'm doing it this way I'm actually getting sales like you know it's like you get almost like corrupted by the by the sales or something <laughs> well, I don't know. dollar thing right yeah. it's like well if I just do this this and this like, well this is working yeah and there's so many been companies in the past that get kind of caught and I think that's probably like a good side of the internet like it can be kind of like a mob mentality on the internet, but I think like, you know, it's like, oh, I think this company might be doing something shady. Yeah, and then another guy who has the same product's like, wait a minute, mine's kind of that way too. Yeah. And then the the dots start getting connected. And I mean, in a way that like the companies get busted yeah. because of... Detectives. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> internet detectives. Internet tough guys. But But like that's a, to me, that's a good thing because I think there's... Uh, you know, I think people go crazy with it, but I think there is kind of that like hidden accountability in mm-hmm. the inter- in the internet world where yeah. it's like, yeah, if you're going to try to cheat people, it's going to come out and um, you just need to do business like the right way. Yeah. Um, and we get, like, I thought about this in terms of like, I'm sure you get this all the time talking to pickup chooser people, but hey, can you make me a Seymour Duncan JB? Can you make me a 57 classic mm-hmm. uh, Gibson humbucker? I'm like, no, we can't. Mm-hmm. And it's like they want that that sound, but we have to kind of like. I think we both do this pretty well, but like the disclaimer is like, "Hey, we're not we're not making you that because that's their pickup." Mm-hmm. And I'm like, "Well, what do you have that's exactly like it?" I'm like, "You're just asking me the same yeah same question different. in a different way." Um, so it's like, "Well, I can make you something, or I can take a model that has the same magnet and maybe the same coil wire, mm-hmm. but we're going to make our own pickup." Yeah, and we're not like we're not trying to to out Gibson Gibson you know what yeah. I mean like we've we've kind of said that to people and they and they really don't some people really don't know how to take that answer yeah. from us it's almost like it, it doesn't come across like we're being defiant or something but we're saying like hey this is this is what we do and if you want what we do then buy a porter mm-hmm. if you want that exact pickup then go buy it from yeah. that company and mm-hmm. we've said that to a lot of people yeah um, and so, some people get mad at us but it's like no I'm not I'm not going to do this and then say that it's going to be mm-hmm. the same thing because I know it's not. And you know, internally, it's like it might everything might be the same, but it's still the way that we wind it. It's, it's the way different. that we charge our magnets. The way that you know we do a winding pattern or anything like that. Um, so even the PAF world, people are like, tell me about your PAF. What makes it? What makes it good? And, mm-hmm. and I get those questions of people trying to like, you know, they load these questions up like, tell me why I should buy from you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I usually say, well. This is our approach, and we we're trying to make a pickup that does what it says that we say it does, mm-hmm. and it has to fill a need. So we're not just going to make, you know. I, I remember when I first started, I, there was a couple companies that were around, and they had, you know, six different '50s era strap pickups and like ten '60s era strap pickups. And I'm looking at this like, oh. I think I'm going to make one that yeah. represents each era and the things I like about the era. So mm-hmm. it was like. Trying to like make a catch-all pickup that's supposed to be vintage-inspired was kind of like a way that I could kind of be unique. Yeah. So we have our '60s strap pickups. So it's not it's not a '62, it's not a '69, it's '60s. It's like this is the era of mm-hmm. when these pickups were made. These are the things that we like about the pickups of that era. 
and we make one set that, that yeah. kind of gives a tribute to that area. Yeah, it's like, you know, so. this is how we are trying to hit all the highlights and yeah. Yeah, and, and, and some of our stuff's kind of generic. It's like, this is our vintage telly set, our vintage Jazzmaster set. It's not like, I'm not trying to nail specific mm-hmm. things. I'm trying to say like, this is what, what existed in those in those times, and and this is how we interpret that, and basically make something that's new and repeatable. Yeah, um, and that, I mean, and there's an aspect of it that you know, simple, you know, like the keep it simple, stupid kind of thing. Like you know, <laughs> it's just let's just be simple about it. We're not trying out to confuse anybody. It's just like here's kind of just we're trying to get the idea across, and in the effort to try and get people to try something new, like. You know, you have to use those relatable words so that people will find your stuff, right? You have to say twang, and you have to say like punchy and and boomy or or cut <laughs> or whatever, clear clarity. Yeah. You have to say all those words and put them in the type. But you know, we just simple approach, and we just kind of want to get people trying new stuff. And yeah, you know, if you want a specific sound, you know, you can go and find that. And then if you kind of are interested in what we do, then that's that's what we yeah. can check out and show you and. But we really do try to make unique stuff, and not we're not just out to make, you know, a bunch of, you know, sames of this and that. And and obviously, there's like a, things that those pickups do that because of certain specifications, you know, it's going to do this kind of thing. But like you said, it's like how we wind our wire, how we charge our magnets, mm-hmm. how we hook it up. You know, it all yeah, makes it ours. So it's, it's unique to us and that's what is cool about our process. It's like this is this is truly a porter pickup, even though it might read the same as another pickup. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, this is like our recipe on the inside. And and I think sometimes people, you know, in the gear industry we deal with this all the time. They're kinda like, you know, the pickup world is very mysterious and very like, you know, like the Wizard of Oz, like guy behind the curtain, right? Mm-hmm. And like, you know, me in in a secret lab developing these like, you know, pickups with troll hair and like all this, you know, yeah. unicorn dust and all this stuff. But like we've tried to like not not approach it that way. It's like we're regular dudes. This is what we do. And I think that at times like that's not good enough for some people, which is okay. Like mm-hmm. they want to be the they want to be sold to the flashy, you know, hype kind of you mm-hmm. know way. It's like, well, this looks cool and and, and then if it looks cool then I'll play better, and I'm like, eh, there's something to that, right? We make yeah. plenty of pickups that are are not looks based, but looks is a huge part of the way that mm-hmm. like gold foils and things like that. It's like they look cool in a guitar, but even with those, we had a lot of talks about well, like what are what is the goal of these gold foils? Yeah. Like we need to make sure that like they stay as clear as clean as possible. We need to make sure that they they have a whole different footprint. You know, we're using a ceramic magnet mm-hmm. in them. And the original gold foils had ceramic magnets, but this is kind of a hybrid because it's it's like we also have a ceramic magnet pickup called the Clear mm-hmm. that is like gain you know gain heavy and shredder you know focused, mm-hmm. and then here we have this gold foil with the ceramic, but it has a different like footprint and palette of tones yeah. to it. So I it's, think that's that's like a cool way that we kind of look at stuff and approach it. Yeah, I mean, and it's just because of the routes, you know, we have to. You know, we're there's limitations of what right. we can do sometimes. So that that is, you know, why they end up in these formats. And it's just like, well, yeah, that's not a, you know, we've heard that that's not a gold foil because it it doesn't have that that shape and that route. And like, well, yeah, like I guess that is correct. It's not a true vintage gold foil that you're going to mm-hmm. pull out of a Tysco, but it's our take on it. And that and yeah. then that's that just mirrors what we're trying to do. You know, we're like, here's what we hear. Here's how we kind of get there. And you know, if you like it, then then great. I think it's a very unique sound that, you know, especially if you've got tons of other, even if you have something with like true vintage gold foils, I think it's something that in the mix would pair really well with them, you sure. know, because they're both, you know, going to play really well off of each other because they're not exactly the same. And, and yeah, that's fun. Yeah. And I think our, like, you know, our philosophy always has been, especially in the last uh, several years, but it's like with our wide ranges, it's like, no, we're not going to make a, a clone of what Fender did. We're going to do our own variation within the footprints. So mm-hmm. Like the gold foil, like you mentioned, or the ricochets, you know, like, well, how can we put a ricochet in a P90 mm-hmm. format? Because we want that to translate over to a different, you know, guitar type. Yeah. Or like the Tron ricochets, or even even like our Firebirds. It's like we're releasing the Firebirds this week, and 
um, you know, they're, they're designed and built like a lot of other companies, Firebirds, but what we did under the hood is actually like our go-to wind mm-hmm. for a lot of pickups, certain wire type and a certain uh, pattern that we use. We put it into the Firebirds because we knew that that was going to produce a certain result mm-hmm. uh, with the way that Firebirds were. And so like it, it did it. And so we're like, I think the way that we approach it is like, there's not a lot of new things in the industry, but mm-hmm. we tried to say like, well, this is like, you, you said it really well. It's like, this is the humbucker footprint. So what can we do inside of yeah. that footprint? Because I don't want to make a bunch of weird stuff. I know a lot of companies do make, you know, this will only fit in one guitar. Like, I don't want to do that. I'm like trying to yeah. sell stuff, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, well, I can do something like the Ricochet, which has never been done before, in a humbucker platform. And you put those in a guitar and people are going to be like, what is that? Mm-hmm. I need to know what that is. Yeah. And that's something that has been very fun for us too to like keep developing. And there's been a few different like versions of it, even just like having to come up with how how to, you know, like okay, here's the first one. Okay, how do now, how do we keep doing that like the same exact way? And yeah. then when we have to start changing it to the P90 route or the the Tron route, even mm-hmm. like for your filter Tron, you know, spaced stuff. And then there's even we're working on some sort of a ricochet humbucker, but that thing is being a you know, a little bit tricky. A little but, tricky. But it's something that we just, you know, we're trying to find the cool stuff out there because there's definitely a need for that, you know, quiet single coil and that people want in their HSS guard. You know, I don't know. There's there's so many different guitars, the different combinations. <laughs> and The answer is always you need more guitars. That's, I yeah, mean, that's really. truly what it is. And we have to buy them for product research, but that's and, <laughs> and that's the other thing too. Like people will buy a guitar, and I know my buddy that that maybe some of you saw in our uh, chooser video. He got another uh, a pro mod, and and it's like he's like, all right, can't wait to get these pickups out of there and see what see what we can throw in there, you know? Yeah. And that's the first thing that some people do is, is swap out the pickup. So yeah, and, I, and I if think you get something too weird, then people can't do that, and maybe they won't buy it because they're like, how am I gonna change up? The pickups. How am I going to put my EMGs in there? <laughs> True. I like always see those old like um, like you you mentioned the Tyscos or like the the old made in Japan pickups with you know like our guitars with like four kind of weird mini soap bar like looking mm-hmm. pickups. I always like kind of want one of those guitars just to hang on the wall. Yeah, basically. But like that would be fun to to overhaul some yeah. of that sometimes. I think the last thing kind of want to want to just touch on. I almost feel like we could do a whole show on this, but we were talking about this kind of as we. I want to say we were having our podcast meeting, but we just talked right before we hit record, so it's not nothing like official. But um, kind of like the name brand versus new brand, which is like you know, well, if I'm going to buy a Strat, like I think both you and I are kind of like we don't care what it says on the headstock as long as it plays well and does, mm-hmm. does the job. Um, and I'm curious, like why, like you know, not to get like too deep, but why you and I ended up that way versus like. If I don't have a Gibson, you know, with if I'm wanting something less Paul looking, mm-hmm. like I don't, it doesn't have to say Gibson on the headstock. And like, do you have any like idea of why kind of you were that way too? Because I think both of us are very much like we're not really tied to to brands as much yeah. um, as maybe other guitar players are. Yeah. Well, and it's like you said, you have that that '98 Fender that you know you were a teenager when you got it, and at the time that was like. You know that that's like premium. You know mm-hmm. the the it having the uh, the F word on the headstock. It uh it you know makes you taller and it's cool and like that's what the pros use. Like it's like pro level quality and so it's like a big deal and it makes you feel like yeah I can I'm a, I'm a musician. You know I'm a guitar player and you know but maybe because starting out you know that was maybe out of the out of our price points and we really had to like claw our you know I had to mow so many lawns for you know to be able to get. <laughs> like a name brand piece of gear, you know, and to feel like it was, you know, mine, you know, and mine was like a BC Rich Mockingbird, but it was like the NJ series. So it was like nice and fancy and it was cool and red and it had like a quilt top and probably a veneer, but, you know, so you have to start on these like lesser quality things and, and really like work up to your, to your Fender and your Gibson. And then, so when you finally get it, it, it it's like such a treasure, you know? Yeah. And but more than anything, I uh with that specific like fender, and it's funny because we both have our, our fenders that we love, but there's also a lot of weird oddball 
you know, clones of those things that we love and that we end up playing a lot. Um, yeah. But we, uh, you know, it's just, uh, it's what's comfortable and cool. And we just, you know, that's mostly what I think I, I look for. And when I bought that Fender, I was looking for a P90 guitar. Oh, really? Okay. And I was like, well, and this is when I was living in Arizona for a little bit. And so it was just a strange guitar center. And I only went there because I had my, uh, my gear card and they gave me like a, a coupon or whatever. So I was like, well, let's see what's up. And I was going to, I was looking for like a used double P90, like, you know, out the door for like 200 bucks or something, 300 bucks, just something that I could like, you know, feel okay modding, changing out the pickups, all that fun stuff. But I was playing a bunch of different stuff and I just saw a player series telly and I was like, well, I'll, I'll pick it up and play it. And and that's the other thing. It's like once you play it and strum it, like you you'll know right away if you like that guitar or not. And that one had like a it has like a really nice flame on the neck, and then the body was just really resonant. And it was like a three piece body. And so to me, I'm like, I mean, I could see the seam line, I could see where and everything. But they they hide them pretty well now these days. But you know, so it's like a cheap body, but it was resonant. And that was kind of the takeaway is that you know I'm more interested in what it can do for me rather than what what it necessarily says on the on the headstock. Yeah, sure. But it you know, because there's a lot of experience there or, or whatever infrastructure <laughs> they because they can make a hundred guitars, the the likelihood of finding a good one is, you know, pretty good. You know, if there's a small shop that can only make one guitar and they're still figuring out their stuff and maybe if it's not as great then you know, I I don't know. Maybe that's a distinction there, or something to consider. But yeah, yeah. And I I think back through the different guitars that I got. Um, I'm like, why did I decide to buy this? Mm-hmm. Why, you know, you mentioned like working for a summer. Like, I think I worked at Golden Corral for a whole mm-hmm. summer to buy an Alvarez Yari acoustic. Yeah. I, like, I really wanted one. But I at that point, it's like, I, that was kind of my venture into like wanting an acoustic. But my friends were still playing Strats and. Um, you know, tellies and things like that. And and I'm like, well, I want to get an acoustic guitar. And for whatever reason, that brand became my goal mm-hmm. where like other peers were like, I need to get a Taylor, I need to get a Martin. And I was like, no, I think I want this. And I, I don't know if it's just like this, like I want to find the, not that that was a small brand by any means, right? But it's like, I want to find something that's more unique or more different. And mm-hmm. then kind of like, and maybe it's just like, Maybe it's like back to the original like Klon thing. Like, well, I found the coolest, uh, you know, made in Japan Strat, and it's so much better. And sometimes they are right, but mm-hmm. it's just like. But I think what you said is like really good. That's probably a good way to close the show. Is like, buy what works for you, and don't really let other people influence like that decision because like whatever decision it is for you is like a, the right decision. Mm-hmm. And I think so many early players like. You know, they started like doing stuff to their guitars and maybe their offenders or whatever, but like it became like uniquely their own. And then you can't like detach this person from this instrument mm-hmm. and, and like, you know, just like love the instrument instead of just flipping them and, and trading them. Like, go, like, if you want whatever that guitar was, right, with the black covers. Yeah. Like, if that's what you want, then, then like stand firm and say, like, yeah. you know what? I like this. I like the way, like, no one else like, has it. <laughs> yeah. So it's like even like the whole like dual humbucker thing dual humbucker thing in the strat like we post the meme of my son jonah and him crying with my dual humbucker strat same strat that we keep modding yeah um but i honestly love the sound of a dual humbucker strat um i like the way the pickups sit in there mm-hmm. and when we did a master coil split you get the single coils pretty far apart like a telly yeah um and then you it just it has the familiarity of this neck i've been playing forever and then I can get the humbucker sound. It's never going to be a Les Paul, mm-hmm. but it has its own sonic territory yeah. that is like really cool. But people are like, no, you can't do that. I'm like, I can do whatever I want. It's my yeah. guitar, you know. No, it's got the swimming pool right. I can do that. Yeah, no, literally, I can. And but people are like, oh, that's just disgusting. I don't even know why you'd consider that. I'm like, it's yeah. okay. Like, it'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, and it's that strat. It just uh, really shines through. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's been a fun show. I think this is an interesting topic. I'm curious to if you guys have any thoughts on this subject. I know we we tried to walk the line carefully in, in a few of these situations. But but I will say that at the end, as a manufacturer, when people are um, 
cutting the line or, or cheating, um, it is very frustrating. I, I completely understand where the analog man company mm-hmm. is coming from and, and um, it makes you frustrated for the hard work that you've put in to yeah. design something and to build a business and support your family and then people people copy your stuff or steal ideas or threaten you or, or various things that have, that have happened to us. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, it doesn't need to be like that, you know, just do your own thing and... Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be fine. So I think that yeah. would be my my closing thought there. Anything else you want to add before we before we go? Well, you know, just thanks for uh, checking out the uh, Tonecast. And yeah, if you have any suggestions for topics, or you know, if you want to chime in on any of this stuff, we we definitely have noticed that there is a little more like traction with people listening. So we really appreciate to yeah. those that have that have uh, stuck around and want to keep hanging out with us. So we're trying to make you know thrilling stuff for you to thrilling. Uh, to uh, our drama. Yeah, even just <laughs> stuff going on in the industry and all that good stuff. So, yeah. You know, stay in the loop. And, oh, we, you know, you can, if you found this, then you know where we are. But thanks for being uh, supporters. And yeah, there's uh, coffee mugs and shirts. There, we'll probably throw a link down there mm-hmm. too with the, with the new stuff. I just broke my coffee mug in the shop this week. So I think I might rock one of the new Tonecast ones. Ooh, so. Yes. Yeah. You need to get one of those magic mugs to, to reveal the Tonecast yeah. logo. Once you put your coffee in there. Yeah. But then I don't know, like some of those are like the heat has to stay. So like when it's cold here, I'm sure it'll show the logo for <laughs> like a two five, seconds, five yeah. minutes and then and then it's gone because it's too cold in the shop. But yeah. Anyway, get, <laughs> thank get you guys for, time. <laughs> yeah. Thanks you guys for listening. Um, we appreciate, again, like Marco said, appreciate your support. Uh, really means a lot to us as we continue this grind. Um, I was going to do a show like 14 years at this thing. At some point, maybe I will just kind of recap and this journey yeah. um, every fall is kind of this, this is the time where I decided to start winding pickups um, <laughs> 14 years ago. Wow. Um, and so we got, got us into this mess obviously, but um, at the same time, I like, I'm really, I really want to be grateful and look back and just, just, I think you did said it really well. Just thank you for your support and appreciate you guys. We'll catch you next time. Don't cast. All right.